Happy New Year. In this episode, my son Jake and I discuss 7702, insurability, and a little bit about the wisdom of Solomon. We had fun. Hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery, and I have my youngest son, Jake, today. Jake Nethery, folks. I'm back. Third time. Third time's a charm. Well, actually, fourth time. I was I was on that uh, little Thanksgiving episode where, you know, Megan was so nice to shove me off the chair um, just because I speak the truth. I mean, that's what happens. And you speak the truth, people get angry. So <laughs> right. it's just a side effect of all that. Um, <laughs> but no, you know, uh, you know, this is our New Year's podcast. I'm really excited because, you know, we have a lot to look back on from this past year and a lot to look forward to. Um, last time we talked, the 7702 hadn't really um, come out yet, right? That those changes hadn't actually been made. Well, and, for it, some of the companies had put them out. Absolutely. A lot right. of the companies we had written with at that current point had not put that product right. out when we last talked. So by you the know, time the companies podcast, are, go ahead. No, I was going to say, by the time the podcast came out, like I think that, those, were, those effects had already been made, but when we had first talked about it, they hadn't happened yet. So I think, I think we're going to have you know, quite a bit to talk about here today about that. You know, all the life insurance companies want to wait. So the 7702 changes must be in force and effective. January 1 of 2022, the life insurance companies, you know, as competitive as the life insurance business is, they all want to wait to the very end to release their products because um, they always want to be better than the other companies. So, yeah. but now, yeah, here we are. I mean, actually, this is recording right prior to Christmas, mm -hmm. but so the 7702, most of them are all out. Yeah, they are. And uh, cool. So, I can't really remember what I my suspicions were on the seventy seven oh two, other than it was going to take less death benefit, which is correct. Yep. But um, so you being uh, building an awful lot of illustrations, yes, sir. You know, what are your comments on that? Uh, it's very interesting to see the changes. You're dead on with the the death benefit is absolutely reduced, especially in the early years. Um, a couple of things I've seen with different products, different companies. We, we don't write with one company, just shocker of shocks. Um, I know a lot of folks, they want to focus on one company, things like that. Um, but we don't write for just one company. So, you know, I've been testing on several different companies and uh, I've seen a few different things. So a couple of the companies I've seen, I've seen reductions in cash value and death benefit, um, but they weren't major reductions. I mean, very slight reductions. Um, another you know, company I'd seen a pretty major reduction in the death benefit, especially in the early years. Um, but I've also seen more cash value. So, I mean, for banking purposes, it hasn't hurt you necessarily for your death benefit purposes and death benefit buying. Absolutely. There, there's the a change there. The death benefit becomes more expensive. Yeah. Basically. Much more in certain companies. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, not maybe as dramatic as a lot of people thought. I know I've talked to a lot of our clients who were worried about the 7702 and its changes and what it was going to do to the policies. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just not going to be a massive difference either way, especially when you get out to, you know, actual age of mortality. Um, most of those death benefits and cash values catch right up like what they were, you know, originally. I think James has said it quite a bit. Um, life insurance is life insurance and it's all priced appropriately. So, um, yeah, the, uh, just when it comes to your actual mortality, there's just not going to be a massive difference from what we originally seen to what we're seeing now. So, yeah. 
Well, I, the, uh, I think it's a boon for the life insurance companies, number one. Mm-hmm. So what's really changed in the 7702? And you, there's tons of stuff that has been put out there. But basically for the, uh, the quote-unquote 4% guarantee, which you hear about all the time, this um, kind of taken advantage of and maybe miscommunicated. So the basis of values, the basis of values for a life insurance policy to be built the four uh, percent previously uh, has now January one twenty twenty two. The companies have a choice between three point seven five basis of value down to two percent. <clears throat> and what you'll see is, uh, and, it, and it's almost counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So if you have a basis of three point seven five, it's going to produce a higher death benefit and mm-hmm. a little bit less cash value in the early years. Mm-hmm. And if you have a two percent. Uh, basis of values, two percent guarantee, and it, I'm just telling you this four percent guarantee and the two percent guarantee is so mis uh, misinterpreted or mm-hmm. misapplied. It's really taken advantage of. You do not earn a guaranteed four percent on the cash values, which is what heavily is is heavily promoted. Mm-hmm. Not true. Okay, um, so the two percent basis of values now will produce a greater cash value. It's almost counterintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. And a lesser death benefit. And they do. There's curves in every policy. Curves and numbers curve into the future at different points in time. Um, what happens is you have a higher cash value in the early years with the 2%. But the guaranteed cash value side goes down mm-hmm. and the non-guaranteed side goes up, the dividends, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, not that you should make a decision on any one particular characteristic of A or any life insurance company, but it's going to separate the men from the boys. You're going to quickly determine what companies actually legitimately make an effort to pay a dividend mm-hmm. and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. So if the non-guaranteed cash values go up, it's relied then or relying heavily upon the dividend. Mm-hmm. So if you got a life insurance company that's going to reduce your dividend because you practice banking or they don't make a, a straightforward, honest effort with the dividends, it's going to affect you. Yes. Um, and, you know, one, one thing I, a client and I had talked about and I had pointed out, a lot of people get this, you know, thing in their head where, you know, they, they've heard other agents talk and these agents talk about, oh, there is this, you know, 4% guarantee and then, you know, the, you know, a 5.5% dividend, let's just say that, right? The dividend rate is 5.5%. So they think they're going to like make 9% or that's what they try to put out implied. there. That's what, that's exactly On what's purpose. implied. On yeah. purpose. Yeah, yeah. So now the the guarantee goes down to two point, you know, let's just say 2%, right? So that guarantee goes from, you know, 4% to 2%, but the dividend rate stays at 5%. How is there more cash value in that first year? How? <laughs> I mean, cause I mean, that's counterintuitive to what they're saying. Yeah. That's not how it works. These are all components of a life insurance, you know, it's going to be interesting how yeah. <clears throat> uh, marketers position themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm telling you, it's a boon for the life insurance companies. Lesser death benefit, the cost of mortality, not even the cost of mortality, well, the cost of the death benefit goes up. And so as you go out into the future, if the cash values rise, there's a net amount at risk. The net amount at risk is the difference of the accumulated cash values and the death benefit. So the net amount at risk lessens over time. It's a boon for the life insurance companies. Now, 
Two, um, you didn't have a choice. I didn't have. Did you have a choice? Did the IRS call you? No. Did, did they did ever he, call? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, no, they don't call. Not, they not, send not, letters. That's right. <laughs> Just for you people out there, uh, they do not call you. They they absolutely will send you a letter, though. You know, one time I was going to a, I was actually going to a, a seminar that I was presenting, and it was uh, it might have been a, a, a banking. It was it was something. Um, I don't, I don't, Nelson wasn't there. It was, it was downtown Fort Worth and I'm driving it early in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. And like my phone rings and it's a guy saying he's from the IRS, you know, and he's like calling because I owe him money and they're going to send a policeman and, uh, issue Beautiful. a warrant. And I'm just laughing at the guy. It works or they wouldn't do it. Absolutely. The IRS people. doesn't call. That's right. So, uh, and my point there is, you, we didn't have a choice. None of us had a choice. The life insurance companies have wanted this. They slipped it in like every other nefarious bill ever. This was a, a, a component to a bill that had already passed or yeah. was already going to pass. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like the Federal Reserve Act on December twenty third, right, nineteen thirteen. There were six senators didn't even have a quorum. But let's, you know. Who wants to know about history? Okay. My point here is we didn't have a choice, you know, and the life insurance companies didn't either. Yeah. Right. They were told in January, you have to implement these products by January 2022. It costs, and I'm not uh, taking up for them or feeling sorry for them, but it costs a lot of money for these life insurance companies to revamp these products. So they had to get to it. Anyway, we didn't have a choice. It is what it is. It is what it is. So uh, speaking on the 7702, I had a client ask me, um, how does that affect my current policy? Mm. Not at all. Yeah. These these are for policies in the future. Um, I know some policies... Like the, the the changes go in force hard January 2022. There is no um, let me try to like you know get it in right now. So if you call us right now and say it's hey I want to get a policy, yeah, it's, it's too late. So and it, you know if I was a young person, mm-hmm. uh, look, I just I just went through underwriting. I mean I'm still waiting for the my hopefully I get standard. You know I'm too fat for preferred. <laughs> um, you know. And they happen to be on 2020 products, mm-hmm. but you know, I've got uh, some term riders that I'm going to convert in 2022. Yeah. Who cares? I, I buy life insurance. Yeah. I, and I bought a term policy this year. By the way, we can talk about that. Um, I'm buying a, a term policy well, right now. Well, before we get off on, and we can, but I want to come back to 7702 because I have some additional okay. comments, but go ahead. You bought a term policy? Yeah, I'm buying a term policy so I can convert that. How I'm converting it in 2022. <laughs> Yeah, no, right. Um, going right up to an insurability amount. So, um, but yes, no. Um, did you go over a little bit and ask for forgiveness? I did. I did. So, <laughs> I'm just um, it, it was what it was. And sometimes you can get some forgiveness. And I, I think we do a lot of that in our practice. You've got to justify it. You can't yeah. ask these underwriters to go outside the. That's right their norms right but. and if they do it's they deviate very little i mean it's it, not enough to make you like go oh, you wow. gotta justify it. if you're gonna ask for something yeah. from the life insurance company you have to justify it yeah anyway absolutely well good job so you're gonna be fully insured or properly insured is that what i'm hearing yeah properly insured fully insured you know i think that's a, a year-to-year thing so absolutely but yeah no i, I will be at that point 
I'm going to be like Nelson Nash. I'm, I'm going to, my dear friend and mentor, I'm going to keep buying life insurance until they say, boy, you're just not insurable. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, and let me can... say on the 7702 too, um, in addition to what I've said because of Nelson, I really, and I haven't gone into the depth of going through uh, the, the different iterations of policies, but here's what I firmly um, believe and uh when it comes to the the changes in 7702 in our practice we may change products a little mm-hmm. depending on age and the the client specific uh each client has their own solution so the idea that one size fits all is not in existence it's not true it's not appropriate it won't serve you well um but i think that uh the base premium should be higher Absolutely. in general and the uh, um, the term component that's required, if any, mm-hmm. is going to be much less if we're going to mm-hmm. practice banking. Much less. And yeah. that's a couple of things you'll see. Um, clients who have policies already and you're getting new policies, you're going to see that cost of that term is going to be much less. We don't need as much term. And of course, we're also going to want to use more base too. So- I think there's this this whole thing out there in the big wide world on um, this negative connotation when it comes to the base part of a policy, right. which is absolutely ridiculous. The base part of your policy is going to be a driver in the future years of the policy and even in the early years of your policy. It absolutely provides cash value. By guarantee, the base face amount, the increasing base mm-hmm. face amount, and the base face amount increases because the base produces dividends. Yes. Okay, now just think about this. So, the base, the increasing base face amount, the base whole life policies face amount must equal the cash value, must equal the increasing death benefit in the future at age 121. Absolutely. At the end of 120 years, you're age 121. It's very simple. Do you want a small death benefit at age 121? Or a large one. And then, do you want to do business with the company that puts the curve? I mentioned the curve on the numbers and the policy. Do you want to do business with the company that puts the curve past 120 or past 105? You know dang well most of us are not going to live there. That's an actuarial, theoretical life expectancy. Yeah. All right. And the answer is no. I don't want the curve to happen after I'm most likely not here. Yeah. Okay. But I want a big number. Absolutely. So I need a big base. Absolutely. And so when we also talk about the the policies basis of guaranteed values, Mm -hmm. we're talking directly about what the base is producing. We're not talking about the PUA and what it's producing in cash value. We're not talking about the dividends and what they produce in cash value. We are specifically talking about the base part of your policy. So when you hear people, you know, tout, you know, the 4% or 5%, whatever that guarantee happens to be, they are specifically talking about the base part of the policy. I will die on this hill. Why are you trying? They to- don't know. I I, I agree with yeah. you, but I, I suspect most of them don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, you're probably right about you that. You know, I talked to an agent uh, earlier this week. He's like, I'm just calling around looking for, you know, an agency that I can work with. Are y'all still working with companies that, that have the 4% guarantee or the 2% guarantee? And I'm like, you you don't even understand the question that you're asking because <laughs> he's out there, you know, selling his clients a 4% guarantee. Yeah. And I'm like. I'm sure it's a 100% base policy. That how'd you get my to. phone number? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I don't know. He thinks he's a bad. I don't know what he's doing. I know yeah. uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. By the questions that he asks. Anyway. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a very faulty way. I, you hear this a lot with, you know, these, uh, what would you say, talking heads, these um, people who think they're, you know, infinite bankers. These people usually aren't associated with the Nelson Nash Institute, by so the way. Uh, hey, but <laughs> right. but at the end of the day, um, that you can quickly find out if somebody's legitimate or not by looking them up on the practitioner finder. If they're not on there, you can just go ahead and like, they're not, they're not even on your radar to think of as legitimate. They, they really shouldn't be. So if they, they, if they are on the practitioner finder, I'm not saying you shouldn't have, you know, your suspicions or your walls up still. Um, but at the end of the day, they're more reliable than the people who are just out there on the internet talking. I, I've heard one guy who said like Nelson's book was like 200 pages. Um, like, you know, it's a, it's a quick read. It's 200 pages. It's like it's 93 pages, man. Like uh, you don't even, you didn't <clears throat> even read the book. It, you would know that it's. Yeah. It's like been around 200 years, but you got to read a book that, you know, uh, some guy named Nelson Nash made it popular, wrote a 200 page book, you know, <laughs> but so he doesn't read and he doesn't want you to read so that you should just buy his software. That's right. Right. And use four percent guarantee. I think um I think the uh the policies now all things can never be equal. Mm -hmm. All right. But comparatively, I think you can get closer to a straightforward uh policy that Nelson built in his book and he built several mm. different uh scenarios several different mm -hmm. policies producing several different solutions um we can get closer to that than we have been able to previously absolutely that's that is one of the big boons and benefits of the 7702 um these policies are looking more like what nelson had built originally yep. so I, I like that a lot um we just I, happen to be in a much lower interest rate environment yeah absolutely that's that's the negative there and then on top of that uh the death benefit reduction i I think so many people discount death benefit when it comes to the infinite banking concept. Yeah. Um, I, I get it, right? Nelson said your need for finance, you know, exceeds your need for death benefit. Absolutely. He's 100% right about that. Uh, but let's not discount death benefit. That is, I mean, Nelson, you know, his family had, you know, taken advantage of that as well um, when he passed. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to pass at some point in time. Um, death benefit's important. Yeah, well, let's talk about that too. The uh, The death benefit is important. There's no question um, and you should solve for that. If you have dependents and I mean mm -hmm. that you need to be responsible and acknowledge your responsibility and then address them. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I said it many times uh, years ago, I sat down with a couple and the guy kept going on and on. I'm like, I don't want to make her future boyfriend rich. Oh. It's like, I finally like they had to leave my office, you know, Did you it's end like, up kicking him out. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, well, which part of what, it's a component of this profession, in my opinion, the nobility yeah. of the profession. People don't li buy life insurance if they don't have loved ones or things they care about. Right. You know, so, uh, but once your need for death benefit is addressed, then the, the focus is on becoming your own banker because, you know, we didn't start out, we didn't start out at 19, 20 years old understanding this banking concept. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're all playing catch up. Um, and, and I'm just saying that you have a need for death benefit. Well, look, if I started out at 19, I might have been married at 19. Okay, maybe I'm 17 or 18, right? And I didn't, I thought I knew everything, but I didn't, uh, of course, right? Uh, I'm just saying if I'd, have, if I'd have started 
life insurance policies for the sole purpose of practicing banking. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then I was an honest banker throughout my life. I would wind up with more death benefit. Eventually, the underwriters are going to say, no, we can't put this in force. But let me tell you this, too. I was talking with a colleague the other day, um, a professional in California, has been in the industry for 30 years. And if the the uh, insurance regulators show up at your office, Mr. Insurance Agent, Mr. Advisor, Mr. IMO Agent passing <laughs> through the industry, <laughs> right? And there's not a need for death benefit in your solution or your offerings. There's going to be a the, – the conversation is going to take a different tone. Oh. At the end of the day, this is life insurance, mm-hmm. period. Anyway. Absolutely. So – Hey, so um, a couple of things. I have a couple of questions that I had gleaned from some clients that they've talked about. And, Perfect. Um, one, one guy, I really appreciate this comment because I think sometimes we're a little bit too close to this. I think um, we, we, think in thing, we, we think in terms of, you know, uh, I guess a higher level, you know, when it comes to the insurance industry, um, when it comes to, you know, building banking policies. And I think sometimes we just, very simple things that we almost gloss over sometimes because, mm. you know, we're not really, it's not like, it's not where we're trying to hide anything from you or, or, you know, miss anything here. It's just one of those things that I think when we're having a conversation, you know, we're talking at our level, not necessarily at I, other people's level. You know, I experienced that. I go to a restaurant, right. And the, uh, the staff, the wait staff, yeah. you know, goes through all their specials and the, you know, the chef recommends this, blah, 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 blah. And they say it's so fast. And, and, and they're normally young. They're very professional. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, wait. You know, um, I appreciate that you say this 20 times a day. This is the first time I've heard it. So, and I really want to hear it. Would you say that again and go, you know? Absolutely. I get it. So, yeah. we, and then the industry has its own vernacular, its own terminology. Mm-hmm. And so. So, this young gentleman had pointed out um, when we talked about insurability and we're, we're talking about, you know, the death benefit you can have. Mm-hmm. So let's say the death maximum death benefit I could have is a million dollars, right? That's the maximum death benefit I can have. Okay, so I buy a policy with an underwritten amount of a million dollars. So it produces a first year death benefit of let's say 700,000. But over the time period, right, it's gonna increase each and every year. That death benefit's going to increase. Okay, well, let me let me go into that for, so to have a first year death benefit of 700, but it took a million dollars in underwritten amount. So yes. all of these insurance companies, if you if you have a life insurance policy, you can go out into the third, fourth, fifth year. Mm. And that's really the number they're underwriting for. Why would they do that, James? Because they're that's how conservative they are. All right. So there's the difference between the underwritten or the uh the ins- uh, the underwritten amount to mm-hmm. put a policy in force. The underwritten amount is higher than the first year death benefit. Absolutely. Okay. So if you're underwritten, so if your if your insurability is a million dollars, right? We can underwrite you for a million dollars, but that's not going to be your first year death benefit. It's more than likely going to be lower than that number. So say it's seven hundred thousand, but by the time the tenth year rolls around, you have a million too. By the time oh, yeah. you know you actually get out to age of mortality, maybe it's three million dollars. Now, this client had said to me, Jake, does that mean I only get the million dollars because that's what I'm insurable for? And then as I get older, the the amount that I'm insurable for goes down because it's a multiple of your, you know, your income. And your age. And right. age. So as or, we get yeah. older, 
but our income should be going up too, mm-hmm. but there's still a multiple. The multiple goes down. Yeah. So how old are you? So I am 30, just turned 30. Uh, you know, have just turned 30. That was months ago, man. Okay. Hey. <laughs> did you backdate your term to uh, save age? I did backdate my term to save age. You could backdate up to six months to save mm-hmm. age. Okay. Um, so you're, you can have like 30 times your income. That's a factor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just turned 58. Um, and I, I think I can have 15 times mm-hmm. my income. Mm-hmm. So the factor goes down. Yes. The income should be going up, but you're still going to hit a wall, a limit. So his question was, Jake, well, what if my insurability is 750000 in the future? My policy says I have $3 million in death benefit. Does that mean I only get 750000 or my, my family only gets 750000 when I pass? Oh, I got it. And I was, I said, no, 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 that is, that is an underwritten amount. That is what we are underwriting for when we're buying policies. Now, if you have $3 million in death benefit and your insurability, maximum insurability, 750,000, you're not getting another policy, but that does not mean, at least on yourself, you can obviously buy policies on other people, but that does not mean that when you pass away, your, your family's only getting 750,000. So that's just the, the underwriting requirements, um, have to be in existence at the time of underwriting. Yes. Right? So I could have a business partner and the insurability is, the insurable interest is there. Mm-hmm. The insurability is predicated upon the business deal in my example. So we could be partners and uh, get the insurance in force. Go forward 10 years, our partnership could have dissolved. We could have walked away. Mm-hmm. That policy, you know, in, in my example, I could still own it. I could still be the beneficiary. Um, and so when the partner graduates, I'm still going to receive the death benefit. And I've been paying the premiums the whole time. Um, but now I have to hunt down his family or their family to make sure that I can come up with a a uh, death certificate, right? And if somebody graduates, not anybody off the street can go get a death certificate, mm-hmm. right? So- my point there is the that the insurable interest must be in existence at the time of underwriting. Absolutely. Right? It's like the third party uh, market, the tertiary market is what it's called. Yeah. If you know, uh, life insurance is an asset, mm-hmm. just like an automobile, it's privately owned. Right. Mm-hmm. If I have an automobile, I can give it away or I can sell it because mm-hmm. it's mine. Yeah. I have full title and rights and control. I'm the owner. Mm-hmm. Life insurance is the same way. You know, I could sell my life insurance as an asset to the tertiary market, secondary market, tertiary market. You know, the life settlement companies are a secondary market. Now, I'm not advocating this. All right. Mm. You do not sell your life insurance policy. My opinion. Don't do it. It affects you in ways that is not good for you. Mm -hmm. We talk about Larry King. You can Google Larry King. Mm. Right. Uh, Because once you sell a policy then all of the life insurance companies are going to view you as selling your mortality and they're not going to give you new coverage mm. if they know about it, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I can do that if I wish. Um, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm still the owner. The insurable interest could be gone. Mm-hmm. It's like a secondary market. If I bought a policy, I'm the owner, I'm the beneficiary. There's really no insurable interest there. Right. But the insurable interest existed at the time that policy was issued. And then there's a whole nother uh, tax consequence to buying 
policies off the yeah. open market. Which kind of fits into my next question or another Barclay. client's question. Um, they said they're uninsurable. So I think this particular client had a heart attack um, when they were younger um, and it was severe enough that they're uninsurable. They've been told they're uninsurable. They don't have any children. Their parents are, are long gone at this point. They're not married. In their own words, um, I don't have anyone to insure. Can I get an IBC policy? You can find one available on the open market. So you can buy one because it is an asset you can you can buy. But it, that, but somebody has to be willing to sell. Exactly. You have to know them. and Yes, yeah. sir. So it, it is what it is. Uh, it, you're not getting a policy just on anybody, any random person. Um, I think uh, most I've seen is you, you can sometimes buy one like on a business partner. I mean, every once in a while you can uh do like a charitable organization depending on how much you are you know contributing to that charitable yeah, organization there's, there's insurable interest between business partners the business has yeah. to be evaluated yeah you know a buy sell agreement a key man policy yeah and there's limited death benefits mm -hmm. right and then the charitable Same. like if i'm a donor mm -hmm. um the entity that i'm donating to does have an insurable interest in me absolutely because if i die my future contributions are going to die with me mm -hmm. but it's limited but it has to exist yes um yeah yeah, yeah so what'd you tell him uh just kind of what we went over i mean th there are different things you can do um, one is buying one buying a policy i didn't say that i, I pretty, so my answer is i don't have anything for that, like I, we don't sell our clients policies. I don't have any current clients that want to sell their policies. You know, um, and the agent really can't buy those anyway. Yeah, we can't it violate your contract yeah. because really, insurance is the death benefit is tax free because it is a replacement of a loss. Yeah, right. It is not an investment yeah. for a gain. It is not. So, whenever you sell a policy, the insurable interest existed. You know, at the issue, but now. The new owner, the first thing they're going to do is change beneficiaries, and now they're going to, quote-unquote, profit from your demise or your graduation. That then becomes an investment. Therefore, the taxation is different. Absolutely. So, and, and um, you know, if you want to make an investment, go make an investment. And I get it. You should make that capital investment from, you know, a life insurance policy loan. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. We don't We don't get into that. Um, you know, yeah. now that's not to say I wouldn't buy every policy that became available, right? Um, but who has time to track down somebody? It, it, most people in the yeah. infinite banking world are not interested in selling their policies. No, they understand the value of it. That's why they bought it. So, exactly. I mean, and they see they experience the values why they keep it. That's right. Right. And it's the same thing. I've had a lot of people, um, you know, well, well, why would people do that? All you got to do is look at an enforced illustration or an illustration. Mm -hmm. And yes, they're wrong the day they're printed. But um, you could you can make the case of why you would purchase mm -hmm. um, a policy from someone just by understanding what's going on in the policy. As a matter of fact, I have one on the conference room table, a gentleman, uninsurable, mm -hmm. an older gentleman. I forgot what state he's in. An old prudential policy. Oh, demutualized and they're still paying dividends um and and he and i told him you know it was like get an enforced illustration he thought he might want to sell it mm -hmm. i'm like send it to me and then i showed him exactly why he wouldn't want mm -hmm. to and turns out he didn't want to which is the best decision for him mm -hmm. but i'm telling you i'd have flown up there and wrote that man a check 
Right. Prudential demutualized in 1985 or 1990. Still paying dividends, going like bang- gangbusters. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you see the premium, sir? Yes, sir. You paying that? Yes, sir. Did you see the increase there? Yes, sir. Why wouldn't you do that? Nobody's ever shown me that, James. And then it led into a great conversation. He really should be a podcast guest, mm. an episode, right? Because um, I'm like, well, see how far um, or how accurate I am. See how close I am. Your whole life, you've been told this is the worst investment ever and you shouldn't pay those premiums and you're paying too much premium. And life insurance oh, is the yeah. world's worst place to put money. He said, yes, sir. I was, I've been embarrassed mm. pre, you know, in prior years. This is an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and he needed money, right? Or he thought he needed money. He thought he needed more money than he actually needed. And uh, I said, have you ever borrowed against that? Oh, yeah, I borrowed against it. And he even had a current outstanding loan, right? Um, and then when you take him through the machinations or the mechanics of the life insurance policy with, with actual enforced illustrations of it, this is a 20-something-year-old policy or longer. Nice. 30- or 40-year-old policy. Oh, that's going to be nice. I don't care who you are. It was unbelievable. Yeah. He said, I'm like, if you need income, this is how you take income from this policy. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't need income, don't take the income. Mm-hmm. And, repay. and you know, I mean, you just went there. I helped the gentleman the best that I could. Yeah. And he wound up keeping the policy. Good. Right? Good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is, I'm a buyer, but it's really not good for the seller. Yeah. Okay. More than, yeah, more than likely than not. And also remember, if you do sell your life insurance policy, like James had said, most companies aren't you know jumping at the bit to insure you at that point. And then even beyond that, and you, you, even if you could get insurance again, right? Let's just say a, a company would take that risk on you to 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 you know you made the mistake, whatever. You've also limited your insurability because that death benefit's still outstanding on you. That policy is still outstanding on you in your life. Yeah, there, there. Uh, there's a question on all life insurance oh. applications. Have you ever sold? Do you have any intentions of selling? And when you're honest on that application, they're not going to issue a policy. Yeah. But you know what goes on in the big wide world. I don't know what some of these agents do. That's why I don't <laughs> hang around them. I don't know. <laughs> hey, okay. not all of you are bad. We, we spent some time with some really cool agents. You know, over the you know before the Thanksgiving holiday. I love agents. I yeah. just um, I encourage them, but. The, the ones that need to be cracked on. Um, Should be cracked you know, on. <laughs> if you identify, look. Yeah. If you're out there creating the noise, you know who you are. Just stop it. Move on. Go back to your mortgage days, your real estate days, your <laughs> chiropractic days, or whatever it is you did before, you know. They're just marketers, man. I, I don't even. No disparagement. I mean, it's like. Yeah. I mean, they're just selling what they can. If it was, if they could sell water or whatever, they'd sell water. I mean, at the end of the day, like they're just selling what they think they can sell. And I mean, it, they don't have any love for you as a client. Um, I mean, that's why they do what they do. If they actually want to practice the infinite banking concept, they would get involved with the Nelson Nash Institute and we would fit, figure out very quickly whether you should be with them or not. Um, not saying that that's foolproof or anything like that. Cause I know there's a, anyways. Um, I think they're sincere. Some of yeah. them. And I think they're sincerely wrong, <laughs> but, but they have an opportunity to learn just like yeah. all of us and change their mind and, or do better. And so that's my encouragement. I encourage us. Yeah. I spend more time with agents than, uh, you should. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, I, my heart really goes out to agents. I appreciate agents and I really appreciate the agents that are trying to do the right thing, you yeah. know, and I believe that's most of them. So, and I know many of you that listen are agents and I appreciate you listening. 
Yeah. You know, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think one last question here. Um, we, we talked about this earlier because it, it, was, it was a pretty funny question. Um, but a lady had sent this in. She had said um, she has two children, um, but she really only has the premium to insure one of the children. She has a 17 and 18 year old. And she asks, which one should we insure? Um, you had a very funny response to that. So I'm last question here. I'm pushing it over to you. It was a serious response. I'm like, listen, I'm surrounded by strong women. My mother was a strong woman. My sisters are strong women. My wife is a strong woman. The women in my office are strong women. And it's like, I wouldn't wait off into that. You couldn't pay me to wait off into that. I would refer to Solomon when the uh, mothers were arguing over a child. And and he told him, okay, well, cut the boy in half and each of you take two. And the mother's like, no. So yeah, I wouldn't wait off into that. I would refer to Solomon. Yeah. Um, and I disagree with the question. Yeah. Of course, you know, we don't make recommendations without having a full and robust understanding of your financial situation. Mm -hmm. We're not just selling life insurance so you can become your own banker and hope it works out and mm -hmm. whatever. So to answer that question appropriately, um, you know, we, of course, need more details. And I don't, uh, unless the one child's uninsurable, mm -hmm. okay, but. Um, if they're both insurable, I would figure out a way to get it done. And, and I think I can get it done. And yeah. I think whoever asked that question just doesn't have enough information or that she wouldn't ask that question in the assumptive fashion that she did. Yeah. And I think so, a lot of a times. genuine question. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think uh, maybe it's better to insure the younger child than it is the older child. Like you'll get more cash value out of it or it's, you know, better for my policy that I own to have a, a younger child on it than, than an older child. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like we've been talking about this entire podcast insurability underwriters are looking at insurability if you bring you have two children both are dependent 17 and an eight-year-old and you're going to insure only one of them what do you think that underwriter is going to think yeah you're going to kill the other one yeah exactly or this is one you're going to kill this That's is the one what... you're going to kill you're trying to get insurance <laughs> on it so you can kill this child it's yeah. like it's 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 a bad business it is bad business to insure just one child you need to insure you know if you have multiple children all of them and all of them equally as equally as possible. You know, and that's not really necessarily, we don't have the time to get into it here, yeah. but there is a proper expansion. You yes. know, if I want to become my own banker, um, you know, there's a proper place to start and there's a natural expansion. If you build the correct foundation, you can build any structure you want on a correct foundation. Mm -hmm. And so that proper expansion is that proper foundation to expand upon. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot here and there's a lot more, you know, I'm excited. This new year's episode, right? So absolutely. this kind of uh, talked about 7702 over the last year, mm -hmm. you know, that was really the major change. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, going forward, I don't know, it's going to be bigger and better. I know I'm uh, focused on client only content. Mm -hmm. um, I love these podcasts. I love the long form, short form, the clients, Q and A's. I love all of that. Um, but you know, we're building client only content because, you know, I want my clients to feel special and I uh, hope they do. Mm -hmm. And I want them to have something that nobody else has. So I love that, which they do. I just want to add to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, happy new year. All right. Happy new year. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.